0: I love that the kids join us for worship. And that, that last song we sing is sort of, is our Wednesday night theme song right now. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. You know, as Lyle was asking for you to pray for me, I felt like the Lord was like, ask them if they, fe- ask everyone listening if they feel like they might be in need of a spanking tonight. And I was like, oh, Lord. But I think what he means is sometimes the Lord, the Bible says that the Lord disciplines those that he loves and sometimes I need a spanking. In fact, I was a middle child growing up and so I got spanked probably the most out of the five kids. I still get spanked the most because the father needs to keep me on a really short leash. So we'll see what God's gonna do with that. But sometimes the word is challenging because we need to be challenged. Amen. Now, if, if you've been with us, there's a lot of new faces. So I think some of us haven't been here for the summer in the Psalms. We know that there were several authors that wrote the book of Psalms, but we know that King David wrote many of them. And so I want to spend some time before we dive into Psalm 19 to talk about David. Because when we first meet David, he's a shepherd. He's a scrawny. Little shepherd boy, actually not so scrawny because then later we find out that he actually killed a bear and a lion with his bare hands protecting the sheep. That's how we kind of meet David in the scriptures and we know him as a worshiper. David was a songwriter, he would sing as he was in those fields protecting the flock, he would write songs. We also know David as a warrior who again, as a teenager, when no one else wants to fight Goliath, David says, the cheese boy, says, I'll fight Goliath. And he takes three smooth stones and a slingshot and he defeats this giant in the name of the Lord. And then of course we know him as King David, King of Israel right? So I love that the Bible gives us all of these different, we get a snapshot of David's entire life. And as we're studying David, David was a lot of things. And we see him in some really, really fruitful, successful seasons. And we see him in some really low, low seasons, don't we? If you're not familiar with David from the Bible, I encourage you to read up about him. At one point, he's king. Remember, he's, he's reigning and ruling as king, and he's had a lot of victory at this point, leading his armies, and he actually, in this sort of prideful state, sees a woman who's not his wife, named Bathsheba, takes her for his own, gets her pregnant, and then has her husband killed, David. What I find really fascinating is as we see the good and the bad of David's life, the Lord still calls him a man after God's own heart. Man, that brings me a lot of comfort because I've been walking with Jesus, surrendered since I was 24 years old, but I've had a lot of life with the Lord and I can relate to David or sometimes I'm walking really close with the Lord and sometimes I'm living for myself. Can anyone else relate to that? And so I think it's important that we remember who's writing Psalm 19, because we do know that Psalm 19 was written by David. No matter where we are in our walk with the Lord today, he is good and he is calling us into a place of maturity and growth And that begins with reverence for him and his word. Let's pray. God, you are so faithful. And Lord, we just want to prepare our hearts for what you have to say in your word today. We trust you because you are trustworthy. We love you. And I ask personally that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and that everything I speak would be from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're gonna start with verses one through four. If you have your notes, if you have your app on your phone for Elements, you can follow my notes there or you can just read your Bible. Psalm 19 verses one through four. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a word or a sound. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and and their words to all the world. Now, I've been doing this challenge this summer in the Psalms, and I'll confess, reading is hard for me. I'm a very visual learner. I want to see the movie. If you work for me, you know I want the bottom line. Just, just, okay, yeah, but get, get to the bottom line. Um, I love dance, I love music, I love worship, I want to see when when I'm reading, it's difficult for me. And so as I was reading this passage, I thought it's talking about how the skies display his craftsmanship. We live in Tucson, Arizona, and we have some of the best sunsets ever. Can you agree with that? And so I was just looking, I wanted to look up some visuals that would kind of give you a visual of God's handiwork. So let's look at some of these pictures. Oh, these are like cotton, the cotton candy clouds that we see here, beautiful. Look at those colors. Um, the next one I believe is from New Mexico. Oh my goodness, who wants to camp there? Gorgeous, I didn't even know if that was a real photo. It was so beautiful. Um, the next one, of course, the Northern Lights in Alaska. When I look at pictures like this, I just think of the creator showing off. And then I save the best for last because it's our own backyard. Look at that. The skies display his craftsmanship. I'm always amazed when I meet someone who doesn't believe in an intelligent designer. Because I just think, who did that? Who made that? We're not even talking about anything else other than the skies and the sun today in this passage, but there's like 400 species of flowers. Did you guys know that? I mean, the sea is a vast, I mean, the ocean freaks me out because it's like another world. We have an amazing creator, and David starts this text talking about this. Verses 5 and 6 say, God has made a home in the heavens for the sun It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and it follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. When I was reading and preparing for this study, my process is I sit down, I read the whole thing, and I ask the spirit to highlight areas that he wants me to pause and reflect on. And I thought this is really interesting that, that David is starting this whole chapter with God's creation and his authority. Uh, it makes me think of Isaiah 6.3, this passage that says, holy, 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 is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is filled with his glory. So he goes, verses one through six talk about creation and him being on display and then he moves into instruction for how we're to live. Verse seven says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb they are a warning to your servant a great reward for those who obey them and then david goes to say how can i know all the sins lurking in my heart cleanse me from these hidden faults keep your servant from deliberate sins don't let them control me then i will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin Verse 14, he concludes with this. May the words of my heart and the meditation, or may the words of my mouth, excuse me, and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Verse nine is what I wanna put on the screen again, at at least the beginning part of verse nine, because as I was asking the Holy Spirit to show me what is it, God, um, that you are showing me For any of us that are up here teaching, the Lord really wants to teach us something, right? When we're preparing a teaching, he's like, yeah, but we're gonna start with you. We're gonna start with what I want to bring to you. And um, this word reverence, I got stuck on the word reverence. So we're gonna hang out here for a little bit. Reverence is a word that we don't use very often in the English language, and if we're honest, We don't live out our Christian faith in reverence very often. The definition for reverence in the dictionary means a deep, deep respect for someone or something. To admire, to revere, to appreciate, to cherish or value reverence. And I think the biblical, what God is trying to say to me in this context is to actually have reverence for God is to recognize that he is who he says he is, and then to stand in awe of him for all that he has done for us. To have reverence for God is to recognize he is who he says he is, and to stand in awe of him for all that he has done to redeem us. Again, because of the relationship that I have with the Lord and I feel really close to him in nature and he gives me an, a lot of analogies in nature. Um, while I was preparing for the study, my family and I got to go to Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Don't make fun yet. People would say, what? What's in Sheboygan? And I would say, I don't know, but our really good friends live there. <laughs> and I and I know it's green. Uh, but Sheboygan has a bad rap, okay? It is like... our. I'm just gonna be vulnerable right here. Does anyone watch the Hallmark movies at Christmas? Ladies, don't be shy. I know you do. This town is like a Hallmark movie town, okay? Our friend's backyard is Lake Michigan. They don't have to water any of their plants because the morning dew waters for them. We can't imagine that here, right? Because we were gone for eight days and I came home and all my plants were like, Dead and gone. This is the town of Sheboygan, and so uh, we would do a lot of walks on on the on the beach and or on the lake. And um, one day, and and they live right, literally by this pier. In fact, I have a picture of a pier with a lighthouse. Can you guys? See? Isn't that so beautiful and blue? Uh, and so our friends, Jim and Liz, who live there, Jimmy would say, yeah, that pier's really beautiful. We should walk it someday. But we have to make sure that it's not a windy day, because you could actually lose your life. And I thought, what? No, no you can't. And he said, no, actually, yes. A few weeks ago, before we got there, this happened. Whoa. And some teenagers who were actually walking the pier, this is very sad, one of them, was lost in a current and lost his life on that pier. You can go back to the more friendly pier, Hannah. So here we are with our kids, and it's not a windy day, so we feel like, OK, we can, we can walk on this pier to the lighthouse. And that's a far walk. And you have kids with you, right? And um, I remember I'm walking, and I'm watching every step that my kids take. Now, it wasn't a windy day, but the water was still like 45 degrees. We all know that Fernando was going to jump in and save the children <laughs> if, they, <laughs> if they went overboard. <laughs> um, but as we were walking, and well, I don't know, what do you think? It's like a quarter of a mile, probably. I thought, gosh, someone lost their life here a few weeks ago. And I was walking really carefully, like circumspectly. That just means to pay close attention because I revered the wind. And the closer we got to the lighthouse further away from the shore, the windier it became. And it was kind of wet and our flip-flops were slipping. And I had reverence for the water and for the wind and I felt like the Lord was like, Elisa, I made the waves and the wind. Do you have reverence for me in that way? That's what I mean by sometimes I get a spanking. (laughs) I thought, gosh, I haven't walked this carefully in a long time. And I made sure that all my little kids got off that pier safe and sound and that I got off safe and sound. And I really had to think about that. And then about a week later, my husband and I had the opportunity to go to Portland where they have some really beautiful falls. I don't know if any of you have 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 gotten to see malt loma falls i don't have a picture of that but um we were with actually brian and kimberly and we thought this is gonna be so fun we're gonna go and we're gonna see these waterfalls because we don't have these in tucson and we climbed about halfway up and we we realized this is really a trek up and we were not prepared for the 11 really small windy pieces of dirt that were going to take us to the top of this fall and again but I was determined I was determined and my husband was determined that I would get it to the top because who knows if we'll ever go back there again but I'm, I'm one of those crazy people that there's a huge crowd and I'm thinking we're really trusting each other right now because like someone could be in a bad mood and there you go they just shove you right off <laughs> the edge of that cliff but honestly I was again walking circumspectly I had respect that this was, you know, not a paved situation, and that I needed to watch where I was walking. We have reverence for a lot of things. I have reverence for policemen. Does anyone have reverence? <laughs> Sometimes I'm driving, and I dri- I'll confess I drive pretty relaxed, usually with one hand, and usually. With a coffee in another hand. But when I see a police officer behind me, it is ten and two. I sit up, I turn off the music. Not that I don't know why I do that, but it's like I'm serious. Maybe, maybe I'm gonna start speeding if the music is too loud. And my poor husband, when I'm in the driver's seat and I and he's or he's driving and I see a cop, I'm like, babe, slow down. He's like, Honey, I'm not doing anything wrong. And I'm like, but you know, just in case. For those of you that don't know my testimony, one day I'll be able to share and you'll have a greater understanding of why I'm triggered when I see cop cars. But we have reverence for a lot of things. And maybe we lack reverence for the one thing that we should have reverence for. Uh, I've been in ministry pretty much all of my adult life. I started off doing youth ministry at church and uh, I was leading a group of kids and you know, kids get in trouble. Kids make foolish decisions sometimes. And we had a situation with a young man that we needed to correct and uh, because he had gotten caught doing some things that he shouldn't be doing and he was in leadership. And so we met with his parents, this young man and his parents and his youth leader and um, he was kind of sharing the things that he had gotten involved in, which was you know drinking and drugs and some things like that. And the parents had a lot to say. And the youth, le- le- the youth leader said very little. But when it was time for him to speak, he looked at this young man and said, I just have one question for you. When did you stop fearing God? That was such a profound question to me, because that was the posture of this young man's heart. See, he knew God. He grew up in a godly home, he knew the scriptures, but he wasn't fearing God, and so he was living for himself. Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. What does that mean? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Well, as I've been reading Psalm 19, here's what I've come to the conclusion it's to understand that we are the created. We are the created. He is the creator. I believe to fear the Lord is to live your life like you are the created one and He's the creator. Remember how this passage began God spoke the world into existence. If we believe that God made the whole world out of nothing, that's amazing. And then last week, Matt was teaching in Psalm 139 and and he shared just a little bit of the science of how we are put together in our mother's womb. It's incredible how the Lord built us in the safety of our mother's womb. And ladies and gentlemen, not only can God handle the details of our life, He's earned the right to lead us and to be the leader of our life. Because of where Jesus brought me from, I talk a lot about how Jesus is my friend. He's the friend of sinners, right? Jesus, when I'm I'm sharing my testimony, um, I often use the scripture of John 8 where where the woman is literally caught in adultery. These men drag her out and Jesus covers her up and loves her and protects her and restores her and forgives her. That's Jesus, friend of sinners. And I think we live in a culture where Jesus is only our friend. When we were singing that song, Another in the Fire, he's gonna come like a roaring lion. Like, Jesus is not a little Jesus. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, is something to be feared in a sense. I mean, our kids sort of have reverence for their dad sometimes, because Fernando has a tone, if anyone's heard of Fernando. I'm like, you're yelling. He said, No, it's just my tone. <laughs> In fact, our our son, our young adult son says, uh, watch out girls, because the Mexican mafia is coming. (laughs) Like, you just know when, you know, when dad is disciplining, there's this like reverence, you know, like he's gonna do something. Um, We need a healthy fear of Jesus, church. We need a healthy fear of God. And we know, because we have that little check in our spirit, if we're, if we're Christ followers, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And when we're doing something that's dishonoring to the Lord, we get that prick. And when we lose that prick, we should be very afraid. See, it's the cops again. <laughs> we should be afraid. A lot of times we don't wanna preach about this scary, big, awesome God. But I'll tell you what, I have a reverent fear of, of preaching the word of God to you today. And I'll tell you something, if you are at a church where whoever's leading and reading from the scripture does not have some sort of reverent fear, you should probably get out of that church. Because this is the holy word of God. And this is what God has been speaking to me. So yes, Jesus, friend of sinners, but also king of kings, lord of lords. You know, Revelation describes this Jesus that I want to come back and get me. And I didn't put it on the screen because he he just gave me this addition today. But it's in Revelation 19, starting in verse 11. Okay, I want you to get a picture of this Jesus. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. Capital letters, that's his name. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. And he has written, or, and he has a name written that no one knows for himself. Did you guys know that? Like Jesus has a side name that we don't even know. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which they call him, again, in all capitals, is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. For those of you that have tattoos right now, you should feel like that's pretty biblical, (laughs) okay? Because he's gonna come on his thighs. That is the God that we serve. That is the Jesus God, Holy Spirit that created the universe, spoke it into existence, and we should tremble, before him. And to really know the true God and what he did for us, how can we not have reverence for him? We always take communion every night or every time we get together as a community, we take communion, but there's a couple questions that I want us to ask ourselves as we prepare for that. And the first thing is, what things or people do we fear more than our fear of God? instead of God. And I'll confess, sometimes I fear man way more than I should. And when I start going down that road, the Lord reminds me, Elisa, at the end of the day, it's going to be me and you. No one else, not your husband, not your kids, not your staff, not your donors, me and you. And I'll tell you what, in that day, there's no way I'm going to be standing just you know easy like this is my friend I am sure that I'm going to be face down on the ground so full of my own sin and insecurity so I'm asking you to consider what things or people are you fearing instead of God and it could be anything it could be you know are you worried about how you're parenting your kids because of the way that people are watching you your marriage, if you're, if, you're, if you're a teenager still under the authority of your parents, are you more concerned about what your friends think than your parents who God has given authority over your life for this season? And the next question that I would have us consider is if we had a holy reverence for God, how might our lives look different? I'm challenging you because I've been challenged. And I say to my kids, there's nothing I'm asking you to do that God hasn't asked me to do. Church, sometimes we need to shut off that TV show. Sometimes we need to walk out of that movie theater. I don't care if you pay 20 bucks, 20 bucks is gonna mean nothing. (laughs) Sometimes we need to cut off that relationship. God is calling us into a season of maturity with him, to know him more. But the good news is when we do that, just like David was saying in earlier Psalms, when we follow God's rules, we have joy. Why, because we're not living in conflict. We have peace, why? Because when we sin, our sin separates us from the Father. And the awesome news is that God is always available for us to say, man, I messed up. God, I'm sorry, forgive me. Charles Spurgeon says this, if we want revival, we must first revive our reverence for the word of God. We need to start reading this. And we need to start understanding that this is God's instruction for us. This is his love letter to us. This is his rescue plan for us. And if we don't have a reverence for the word of God, then we don't have reverence for God. And I hear Christians all the time, how many of us want revival? Who wants revival in your home? This is serious. Who wants revival in your kids' hearts, in your schools, in your community, in your neighborhoods? You know what God is saying? I want all of those things. I cry over those things. And God's saying, Elisa, then be that. It starts with you. It starts with, do you have a healthy fear of who I am in your life? Or yet, or are you still wanting me to just be your buddy, Jesus? I don't need a buddy. And I don't need a friend, I have a lot of friends. I need a heart changer, life transformer, forgiving God to cleanse me of my sins. That's what I need. That's what we need as a church. That's what we need as a community. Sometimes when you do things like take communion week after week, we just we get up and we do it. I don't want us to get up and just take communion today. I want God, just like, like David prayed, I want us to search our hearts and say, God, show us anything in us that's not right with me and you. Because I want to be right. Because here's the truth. That Jesus could come back today. And that's what I mean by that healthy fear. You know, sometimes I'm doing something where I'm like, gosh, I really hope Jesus doesn't come back right now. Do you guys ever think that? I hope Jesus doesn't come back right this minute or while I'm in this conversation. And, And I joke about that, but I really mean that. Today's the day to get right with the Lord. He is so worthy of our adoration and our praise and our reverence. So as we prepare our hearts for worship and the band comes back up, I do, I want us to think about what are we fearing more than God? God, how are you asking my life to look different by having a holy fear of you? What does that actually translate into? And then I want you to tell someone. I want you to say, you know what? The Holy Spirit brought this to my attention and I wanna tell someone. I'll be honest with you, the Lord's asking me to give him more of my time The Lord is asking me to stop self-soothing with snackage. Does anyone else do that? (laughs) We all have our stuff, right? So God, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are capable of all things because you created all things. I thank you, Lord, that you are the creator and we are your creation. But God, sometimes we don't live like that. So help us to live like you are the Lord of our life. We acknowledge you. We want to acknowledge you in all of our ways tonight. And we want to ask that you would put a holy fear in our hearts that we might know you more and that we might live for you in a world that needs to see Christ followers have reverence for a holy, holy God. In Jesus' name, amen.